This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch. And guys, I think they're doing the best thing during this crazy time. All orders are either curbside or delivery. So either way, they are delivering all of the alcohol that you could ever want to you. They either bring it out to your car if you drive up to them, or they'll deliver it to you so their sales floor will be closed. So that's even more important for you to download their app for not only incredible deals and to join their loyalty program, but to get all the information that you would get on the sales floor just at your phone. It's so convenient. Make sure that you download that app, join their loyalty program. Hey, get Breck Brews delivered straight to your door. Anything that you could want, Davidson's has it all, including Mace's Rare Cider from Wisconsin. They have it all. So make sure to check out Davidson's, download that app. And when you do order for them, make sure to tag us and them so that they know that you are supporting us. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast on this hump day, Wednesday edition, April 8th. Mace is joining me today. I'm Zach Stevens, joined by Andrew Mason. Ryan is on assignment again today. And before we hop in the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, which is MSU Denver Online. Guys, this is the perfect time to get an education, specifically online with the world that we're living in and what's so awesome about msu denver online is we have so many people that live in denver that live in colorado we have so many people that live in outside of the state and outside of the country and every single person can take advantage of this get an education whether you want to get a second degree whether you want to further your education whether you want your first degree msu denver online can do that they've got 40 online programs uh and with hybrid programs, over 750 classes online. So make sure to check them out at msudenver.edu slash online. And we believe in this so much that we even have people at DNVR taking classes through them. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online to scope out everything they have to offer. Mace, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, we're in a new era, of course. Some new some teams have new uniforms. Yes, they do. We're getting used to the the Bucks new slash old uniform. Basically, what the Bucks said, Zach, is that hey, when we went with the digital clock font numbers on our uniforms in 2014, we done screwed up <laughs> because their look it, it's basically 
an updated version of what they had from 1997 to 2013. And at least Tom Brady won't have to go out there and look like a clown. See, now I'm going to associate those bad Bucks uniforms of the last six seasons with Jameis Winston. Uh, yep, maybe Tom Brady will be associated with only good down there in Tampa Bay, Mace. It, it seems well, like you're a little more optimistic about Tom now that they have the new uniforms. You know what? <laughs> I want so very badly to believe. And the fan in me is saying, yeah, you know what? You get him with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, better targets than he's had the last couple of years in New England. You get him with Bruce Arians. The fan in me is starting to take over. I have to pull myself back a little bit. No, this, is no. why I do, this is why I do the Broncos podcast and not the Bucks podcast because the Bucks podcast – I'd be all over the place. Nice. Don't pull yourself back. Ride with Tom. Just like, just like I said, he's going to bring you to a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get him to the Super Bowl. The thing is, to me, success is getting them back to the playoffs and winning a playoff game. Now, there are a lot of people who are going to say if Tom Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl, he's not a success in Tampa Bay. I would disagree. Because yeah. I'm looking at where they've been. I, I totally, totally agree. And looking at where the Broncos are going man we did the first edition of our dnvr live mock draft yesterday we're going to be doing these things every tuesday and thursday at noon leading up to the draft so join us on periscope because we go live uh, of course mace myself rk we also have the draft guys join us andre and henry and we did our first one yesterday and pretty much what we're doing is we're trying to see um how this draft is going to unfold. So we're going to do five of these. Like I said, we did the first one yesterday and we each have uh, every fifth pick and we're going to rotate that order every single time we do the draft so that it changes up. And, and we want to see just how things are going to fall for the Broncos at 15. So we did picks one through 15. I started with the first pick, then I had the sixth pick, then I had the 11th pick. Mace started with the fifth pick, had the ninth or had the 10th pick and then had the Broncos pick at 15 and man this was such a good exercise to do and I'm so curious how the next four are going to play out when we change up roles and things fall a little different of a way but it was pretty much the worst case scenario <laughs> almost for the Broncos in terms of how the draft fell we'll spoil it right now Mace when the Broncos were on the clock, I know you wanted you wanted to do a few other things, but we didn't allow trades during this, and we'll talk about the trade situation. But pretty much every the, the top three wide receivers were gone. The top offensive tackles were gone. So you chose who for the Denver Broncos? I chose Denzel Mims, the receiver from Baylor, to get some of that straight-line speed, 4-3-9-40, but also played well last year. Had an outstanding senior bowl week, and that's the week that – I think he started jumping uh, up a bit. Now, a lot of people are focused on the combine and the 4-3-9 time. I'm more focused by how outstanding he was down in Mobile, the body control that he showed, uh, particularly in the red zone. He was able to uh, uh, do a nice job adjusting the ball in flight. He was you know, able to go deep. He was catching a short stuff, you know, doing a lot of branches on his route tree in a manner of speaking very impressive that week and so while I'm comfortable with it I also think to myself you know if that's how the board fell 
the only one of the top four tackles, as perceived by many that was available, was Mikai Becton in Louisville. And now if Andre Simone had had the pick, I think he would have taken Becton and been very happy. And he is more of a fan of Becton than I am. I have serious reservations about a 367-pound nose tackle being able to hold up over the long haul, those joints being able to handle all the weight that he carries. It's not like you're talking about a nose tackle. Like I said yesterday, when a nose tackle, he's going to play 50% of the snaps at most, so you can be okay having a big 350, 355-pound behemoth. The left tackle or your right tackle, he's going to play every down. And so for that, for Becton, admittedly, on my draft board, I don't have Mekhi Becton. He's one of those names that's just off my board entirely. Completely. And unless he's there in like round four and then wow. whatever. But I'm, I just, I, I look at that size and I just, I, I can't justify it because I feel like the, the risk of accumulated wear and tear and injuries is going to be too high on him. And so I'm going in another direction. I would have preferred to trade down a few picks and okay, maybe Denzel Mims isn't there, but Josh Jones could offer good value in the twenties. And then maybe I can pick up another second or a third round pick. The thing with Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston, I have reservations taking him at 15 because I'm not sure he's going to start in year one. Okay. He is a raw lump of clay who I think with coaching can be a terrific tackle at the next level. He's very athletic, but there's too much, I think, that needs to be built on him, in, partic- in particular his footwork. It's very inconsistent that I feel like if you take him at 15, you might be in a situation where you're taking a guy who doesn't help you right away, and in the first round, you've got to take a guy that you can plug and play and get something out of him as a rookie. Okay, so there, there's a lot of good stuff there to unpack, Mason. And, and like you said with Josh Jones, too early at 15, no one brought up Josh Jones's name yesterday in terms of the Broncos picking him at 15. So I think everyone's on the same page there. But let's I have go. seen a mock that had Josh Jones at fi- as high as 15, though. I think it was a month, month and a half ago. Interesting. Yeah. No one yesterday right. had him had talked about him being a potential option. So let's, let's go back to Mekhi Becton really quick because uh, we know that Andre – has him ranked as the ninth best player in the entire draft. So Andre was totally thrilled with him falling to 15. You, uh, the complete opposite side. And, and like you said, laying out uh, y- your great case against Mekhi Becton. Um, now, what do we think the Broncos' perspective would be? Because now, now uh, with the, the change in offensive scheme, we know that, okay, maybe they're now open to a bigger type of player. But obviously, 360 pounds is more than, you know, t- typically, uh, if you run a zone offense, you, you want to tackle 300, 310. And then if you're doing a power scheme, a big tackle is considered 330 pounds. So 360 is on a totally different level. So taking into to Pat Shermer's scheme uh, with Mike Munchak there and uh, with John Elway in his history, how do you think they would view Mekhi Becton? I think they would look at him and – They'd say, okay, well, the fact that Louisville did a lot, lot of play action, the spread around a lot, it might translate better to what we're doing now with Pat Shermer than uh, what we did with, um, with Rich Gangarello this past year. I think a slightly better fit. I think this is one where you ask yourself, can we really have a 
tackle who's 360, 364, 367 pounds, depend, depending on what he weighs in that week. Is this something uh, where we're, we're worried about him holding up? And if we're going to a little bit more of spreading it out, a little bit more of a pass, in, a pass intensive mode here with Drew Locke, is he, is he the right guy? Because a lot of what Mekhi Becton does well when he does have good footwork for somebody of his size, but a lot of what he does well is, you know, he'll get in front of a guy and he'll kind of maul him a little bit. Is there going to be less of that based on what you're doing offensively? So there are better scheme fits. And I think just, again, there are, I, I'm sure there are going to be some teams that look at that size and then talk to their training staff and say, okay, is this guy going to hold up at this at this size playing every down? Again, that's the thing. A tackle coming in has to play every down. And I'm sure there are a few teams that are going to look at that, look at his size, and say, uh, no, he's probably too big. Yeah, I think a Josh Jones would be more so of what the Broncos are looking for in terms of a developmental uh, player, even though neither are truly developmental, you'll both want them playing very soon. Um, but just look at John Elway's history and who's the biggest tackle that they've had to be an actual starter, maybe Menelik Watson and Mace, he's listed at 315 or was listed at 315. So that was, you know, a big tackle that John Elway had and he was, you know, 40 pounds smaller. So I, I don't think that that's the route they would go. Would I be shocked by it? No, because I, I think that would mean that he has the Mike Munchak stamp of approval. Um, but I just don't think that that's the route they would go. So now looking at Denzel. Mims, don't forget Orlando Franklin as well. He drafted Orlando Franklin, a big O, mm. a big guy, 315 pounds. Yeah, exactly. That's a big guy and still so short of Makai Becton size. All right, so Denzel Mims, when I think of, of Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs. I think of all of those guys being compliments in their own way to Cortland Sutton. When I think of Denzel Mims, I think, okay, Cortland Sutton 2.0. In fact, you know, his 40 may say, um, you know, maybe even a little bit of a higher ceiling. Am I right on that evaluation of Denzel Mims in terms of similar player to Cortland Sutton? Yeah, a little more vertical speed, but yeah, the and also shorter. I mean, he's what six? He's um, or pardon me. I think he's listed or no, six, he's not three, short. Two, he's ten. six three. My bad, my bad. Six three two oh two oh seven, and he's got the ability to win those jump balls on fade routes downfield. I mean, I, there are some intriguing possibilities with Denzel Mims because he does have that vertical speed to get downfield, and maybe you're using that more often just because that's the compliment to Cortland Sutton, but there are some possibilities. If you just say, okay, Denzel, you're going on a fade left Cortland, you're going on a fade, right. And maybe, you, and then you got Noah Fant going down the scene. So there are some ways that you could use him quite effectively. I think, even though there is some similarity in the skill set. now in an ideal scenario here, I am looking for a trade down Actually, let me rephrase that. The ideal scenario would be if LaVisca Cheneau was healthy. Right. If he had a clean bill of health, I'd have no problem taking him at 15. And there's, there's, a, there's a chance the way this draft played out where you had Andrew Thomas going 14th and you said he would have been your pick. 
uh, I believe, if he would have fallen. And then to the me, four- there's a gap between Worfs and Thomas, and then and then the next group of tackles. Worfs and Thomas are my top two. That I agree with that. And then with the 49ers at 13, since all the top three receivers were already gone by 13, we had them going Javon Kinlaw, mm-hmm. but. If, if LaVisca was healthy, heck, that may not – he may not even be there. And, and there's another thing with Kinlaw. Um, if the 49ers had not taken him, even with the Broncos bringing Jarrell Casey and re-signing Shelby Harris, I would have taken Kinlaw. Just best player available? Best player available. Yep. And, and I know there would have been some saying, well, you just got Jarrell Casey, you just re-signed Shelby Harris. You can make Javon Kinlaw fit. And if Shelby Harris has to be a rotational guy because you signed Javon Kinlaw and you're starting Kinlaw and Jarrell Casey, so be it. And and Shelby Harris is only signed up for one year. He's a one-year guy, and Jarrell Casey is effectively a year-to-year player based on that contract with uh, no guarantees. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have disagreed. Uh, with that pick, I totally would have understood where you're coming from. So Mace with, I mean, so here's how the draft board played out after the usual suspects gone after the first seven picks, Cardinals took Tristan works, Jaguars took CD lamb, Browns took Jedrick Wills, Jets took Henry Ruggs, Raiders t- took Jerry Judy. And then, like I said, 49ers, Javon Kinlaw and Buccaneers, Andrew Thomas. So within a eight, team span seven of those picks were offensive linemen or were offensive tackles or wide receivers that's kind of a nightmare scenario for the mm-hmm. broncos and sure some picks could have fallen another way but and that's why we're going to do this five times to see what happens when those picks fall another way uh but realistically you know a lot of those picks just could have been flipped so at the end the broncos are still sitting with none of those tackles or wide receivers available to them. Mace, is that a nightmare scenario? Yes, it is. <laughs> Very much so. And the thing is, as I was preparing to pick for the Broncos in that mock, I could see the nightmare coming. <laughs> At what point did you see it coming? Pick 11. <laughs> because... Honestly, I was hoping the Jets would go tackle Mm. and protect Sam Darnold. And tackle is very much in play for them. But when they go receiver, uh, man, (laughs) the die was cast. (laughs) And so to me, so what, what do you do? Let's say, let's say you realize after the 11th pick that, oh no. And you're John Owens. We're allowing trades now. And after the 11th pick, you realize, uh-oh, what do you do? Because you have the Raiders picking at 12. They're probably not going to trade with you. The 49ers are picking at 13. They may trade with you, but if the draft falls like it did with us and three receivers are already off They're the already board. Off. All of the receivers are off. At that point, you're trading up for a tackle. But then can you really afford to trade up for a tackle when you haven't addressed wide receiver? Right. That's the conundrum. <laughs> right. It is. So – what are you doing after pick 11? Are you trying to trade up or are you standing pat and drafting Denzel Mims or, or if the trade, if the draft board falls the way it did and 15 rolls around, are you trading back? Well, assume that you can't trade up with the Raiders. 
Right. Because and, they're your rival. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a trade back. And at that point, if I can't get – I mean, RK likes to talk about how there's a separation between those three receivers and Denzel Mims because there's elite potential in those three but not Mims. I would argue, yes, there is some elite potential in Mims, but there's a reason why he is arguably the fourth or fifth best receiver, him, uh, Justin Jefferson of LSU in that mix. If you can't get the specific guy you want – then you need to go for volume. You need to have more possibilities, more prospects. And that's why if it's shaking out this way, I'm looking to go from, say, pick 15, of course, where the, where the Broncos stand in the NFL draft. I'm looking to go to the mid-20s. I would uh, look at maybe... Miami at 26, and also they're at 18 if you don't want to move down that much. Uh, maybe look at Minnesota at 22, which is also sitting at 25, as possibilities that you could work with. And then maybe you can get into a situation where you're picking up an extra second-round pick or an extra third-round third pick to move back. And then I'm, I'm focused on volume. So what I would like to do, I'll just throw a hypothetical here that maybe could maybe could be worked with the Vikings at pick 22 you get them to move up to 15 and you also get Minnesota's second round pick which is 58 so then you're picking 22 46 58 and you still have the three third round picks yep and then what I'm thinking and I'm still potentially using two of my – packaging two third-round picks to go add another second-rounder. But I'm thinking by the end of round two, I have two receivers and a tackle. And then if I've traded up – if I've traded my two – two of my third-round picks into the second round, then I'm saying that's my interior offensive lineman. And then you, And then – I figure one of those two receivers is going to help me right away. If not, the tackle, both. They, they both really should. Yes. At, at minimum, one of them should be starting. And then the other is your receiver three, or receiver four, or maybe somebody who is a receiver three or receiver four who can also help you on special teams. That's where I'd look for a guy like a KJ Hamler out of Penn State, perhaps, who can maybe uh, be the punt returner that you were hoping that Deshaun Hamilton could be. Yep. And then the interior offensive lineman is a guy that I'm plugging and playing, whether I'm getting him early in round three or I'm taking two third rounders to go back up into round two. Yep. So that's, you know, and so maybe there's a scenario here where you are ending up with, I'll just toss a few names out there. You might be able to still get Denzel Mims at 22. Yep. Or you say, you know what, let's go, let's, Go get a Justin Jefferson, okay? Or you say, we're going to get our tackle right now. We're going to take Josh Jones 22. Right. Or maybe they get wind that Ezra Cleveland might not be there in round two, and if they like him enough, they go and pick him there. Then in round two with picks 46 and 58, you're thinking maybe a couple receivers here. Yep. And so that first one, you're saying, okay, I've got Josh Jones. 
I need my sure bet wide receiver, the one who doesn't have an injury concern. If Jalen Rager's on the board, he gives you speed. Perfect. There's a guy. And then 58, you're talking about maybe LaVisca if he's there. Mm, I like that. And like, then like if I've taken, if I've taken, say, my 77th pick and my 95th pick, so I'm going to stay with 83. And let's say I've got another pick in the 50s. And that's where I'm taking my interior offensive lineman, be it Tyler Biotish, oh, nice. Cushenberry, Matt Hennessy. Yep. And, and that guy is a plug-and-play starter. You may, the, the tackle, Josh Jones, whether he plays in year one, it depends how fast you can get him up to speed. It also depends on Jawan James being healthy. Josh Jones can be either a left or a right tackle. He has that sort of flexibility in him. And maybe what you're thinking is, if Jawan James isn't healthy, he's your right tackle in year one. And that's pretty huge to be able to have that flexibility because we know maybe it's on the left side, but maybe it's also on the right side where they need that help at tackle. And Mace, I got to say, I don't want to say I'm sold on trading back because I'm certainly not sold, but you did a heck of a job describing a situation in which the Broncos are faced with a nightmare scenario where no one's on the board. And I probably would like trading back in this scenario, more than drafting Denzel Mims. Uh, so I, I think so you'd rather out... have Josh Jones in, in the 20s and Denzel Mims. Right. Wait, Even Denzel though Josh Jones, it's possible pick. that it is possible with him that in terms of getting his footwork up to speed, you might be talking about him being a year two starter and having a rookie year that if Foles and Juwan James are healthy, looks a bit like George Foster's did back in 03. Yeah, maybe. I'm personally not letting that happen. I, anyone in the first round is going to be a starter. But but I, I'm I trying totally to get ready to play, yeah. even with a shorter, with no offseason. Although I do expect if there's no offseason, Zach, we're going to be looking at a longer camp mm. to get ready. Interesting. That's something I think to put in the back of everybody's minds here. You know, I talk with uh, our own Matt McChesney, who does uh, his McChesney Unchained podcast with us. And we've heard this from Alan Sills, the NFL's chief medical officer as well, that if there is no offseason work, and right now pretty much everybody seems to be expecting no OTAs, nothing, any, nothing like that, that to make up for it and make sure the players are in shape and ready to go, camp is going to have to be longer. So does that mean starting earlier? I, you'd love to start earlier if you want an on-time season, but I do imagine that if the NFL is working on those contingency plans very quietly, and I have to imagine that they are, that one of the contingency plans, if they can't get everybody back for a camp until, say, August, that one of the contingency plans may involve starting the season two or three weeks late. Got it. So just pushing everything back and extending training camp one or two weeks on the, on maybe the back even, side. Maybe even cutting the regular season to 14 games. Yep. Yep. 14. And then uh, the next year you just expand to 17. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hey, 14 games, 14 playoff teams, right? Yeah, it, <laughs> yep, it certainly does. We straight the regular season, we expand the playoff. <laughs> so Mace, I've been completely against anytime someone says trade back, I say, nope. Well, I think we found a scenario where I'm saying, okay, okay, but. You have to turn it into positive. And this is what the draft is all about, being able to sometimes pivot on a dime and say, okay, this wasn't our first choice, but we can still make this a very good situation for us. 
And the other thing with uh, trading back, it's sort of the gospel of Bill Belichick. Yep. Trade it certainly back. is. It certainly is. But Mace, let me present another scenario for you. And I'll, I'll give myself the exact same scenario that I gave you. The Raider or the Jets just picked Henry Ruggs and the Raiders, you can't trade up with them. They select Jerry Judy and CD Lamb was the first wide receiver off the board to the Jaguars at nine. So you are stuck with a situation where all three receivers are gone and the two, two tackles are already gone. And that in this situation was Wills and Wirfs. What I'm doing right here, because the 49ers aren't thrilled with sitting at 13 with the options available to them, because they also wanted a wide receiver. What I'm doing here is I'm calling the 49ers, and I'm giving them a third-round pick to move up two spots. So the 49ers are only moving back two spots and they get an additional third. I don't care what third rounder it is. I, I'm willing to give up the top third rounder if that's what it needs to, to get done. But that's all you're going to have to give up to move up two spots with the 49ers. And well, boom. and that, that would be a premium because in terms of the, the value charts, they actually say that you should be able to make that deal for, your, for, a late thir- for the 100th overall pick. So I would say, and you know me, I'm always trying to negotiate. <laughs> I'll give a premium and say I'm not going to give pick 95, but I am going to. I'll give pick. I'll give pick 83. Sure, and, my and, middle third. Yep, and and so I would do I'm that saying, too. hey, you're you're making you are making out here because you are plus 75. Should have done that. <laughs> you're and I don't think John Elway would say it like that, but wouldn't it be funny if he did. <laughs> Because we know how how John Lynch loves Steve Atwater, plus seventy five on the draft value chart, you're getting a good deal. And Zach, in this case, I'm even then. I'm I'm still thinking about finding a way to package those other those other threes and move up in into the second round. Even though that would leave me with only a first and two seconds, because I sure. like the idea of the value there. Now, what I'm probably sacrificing here is. I'm I'm probably sacrificing my number two receiver out of this draft class. I think the Broncos will take two receivers, but what will happen here if they move the receivers are gone, they move up to 13, they take let's say Andrew Thomas is there. And that that's my pick. When you move okay. up with the 49ers, you're taking Andrew Thomas one pick before the Bucks were going to. Perfect. There's an immediate starter left or right side because he did start at right tackling Georgia in 2018. And then in round two, you are kind of locked in the receiver at yep. 46 yep. to make sure. So there, there, look, there's going to be some talent there. You can talk about maybe you roll the dice on LaVisca Chanel, but me, I'd be willing – I'd rather look for a Jalen Rager Me too. perhaps um KJ Hamler out of Penn State um I don't think Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State's going to be there and actually one thing I may have to uh to, to write here before the draft is uh about the Broncos very bad luck with Pac-12 prospects that they draft mm. not that they're undrafted not the undrafted ones but the ones they draft <laughs> so, something's amiss I I I don't know what they're getting from Pac-12 scouting reports, but something's not right because <laughs> those Pac-12 picks aren't working out for the Broncos when they draft them. Undrafted guys like C.J. Anderson and, of course, Philip Lindsay working out much better for them. So receiver round two, 77. That's my immediate starter on the interior. Going to roll the dice that one of 
uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, unlikely Cushenberry, but a better chance that Matt Hennessy or Tyler Biotish is available. Picking one of those two there. Yep. So, and, and there you go. So Mace, we just laid out a plan where if the worst possible scenario happens that the Broncos have multiple options there. And I, I like the option of trading up, trading a third to get Andrew Thomas. Uh, and it sounded like you were on board with that too. And I also like your option of trading back early twenties, picking up an extra second round pick and, and going that way. So when a nightmare comes, the Broncos can work themselves out of it to waking up on the right side of the, uh, on the right side of the bed. Yeah, and, I, and, and then I've pushed my second receiver from this draft down to round four. And at that point, you're probably not thinking about specific skill sets. You're probably thinking about, uh, okay, who's the best guy? Who's the highest ceiling? You're not even thinking of, of saying, okay, I'm not picking the guy who's like uh, Cortland Sutton. And so that's where a, a player that I've talked about a couple months back at the Senior Bowl, Antonio Gandy, golden out of Liberty, who's uh, you know, got a who's got a lot of length, not the biggest speed burner, but can make catches in traffic, a good body control. That's somebody who might be sitting there in round four. And so imagine a moment where you've got to, a speed guy like KJ Hamler or Jalen Rager in round two, you've got Gandy Golden in round four. You've picked up, you know, t- t- picked up a, a Tyler Biotis from Matt Hennessy in round three, and you got your tackle in round one. I'm very pleased with that draft. Yep. Yep. And it, I haven't even talked about the fact I still have a, a end of the third round pick that I haven't, that you can just go in any number of directions with that. Maybe that's the Jason Strobridge pick. Uh, you pick the defensive lineman out of North Carolina. Maybe you're looking at a safety if, you know, say for example, a Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan has dropped. Maybe you're looking at a corner. I know RK hates third round corners though, but. <laughs> well, it's not sexy, but it is very solid, and I think everyone would be giving John Elway a little clap. But, guys, one place you never have to worry about nightmares is Breckenridge Brewery. From all of their beers, you're never going to find a bad one. And from their farmhouse food, in fact, it's the complete opposite of a nightmare. It is what you dream of when you think of food. Guys, the farmhouse has some delicious food. I have never gone wrong there. In fact, it's always some of the best food I've had. So make sure to support them and check out the farmhouse. You can pick up, they'll, they'll bring it straight to your car with the curbside delivery, or they deliver for most of the Denver metro area. So make sure to give them a call at 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for that food. They'll also bring alcohol to you, whatever beer you want. It's the same deal. If you want beer, Drive up to the farmhouse, they'll deliver it to you, or they'll just deliver it straight to your door. And use code DNVR when you do that to save $5 off your meal, or even go through Drizzly, the Drizzly app, which we all love. You can get the 15-can sampler through them, uh, any beer through the Drizzly app. So make sure that you check out Breckenridge Brewery, and when you do, tag us to show them that you are supporting us. And guys, if you are dealing with a nightmare scenario, Manscape can help you out. If you're dealing with a, a nightmare scenario down there, make sure to get your hands on the Lawnmower 3.0, the perfect package, which comes with the prop, crop preserver, the crop reviver. This thing has it all. You also, I mean, they, they hook you up. Mace, we got the packages. Oh, man, they, there's some awesome shirts, some funny shirts, uh, so, some good 
boxers to, to keep everything good down there. Uh, and guys, the lawnmower 3.0, 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. No one can know what you're doing in there. So make sure to check out Manscaped. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. That's DNVR20 at Manscaped. Make sure to check them out. All right, Mace, let's talk to the people. As I unmute my line here, let's do that. <laughs> Count Lockheel gets us started. Gents, what's your favorite Broncos call of all time? Not in the Super Bowl. Mine is Dave Logan's call of Tebow to DT. It's over. It's over in Denver. Love the count. <laughs> my favorite, it's not the Super Bowl, but got the Broncos to a Super Bowl. It's the late Bob Martin, 1977 AFC Championship at the end. The miracle has happened. The Broncos are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and let's not forget, the Broncos in their first 17 seasons didn't even go to the playoffs. Yeah. Denver was a backwater. The notion of the Broncos being a Super Bowl team months earlier, it seemed farcical, especially in the AFC at the time when you had the Raiders and the Steelers lording overall, and the Broncos beat them both at home on Christmas Eve and then New Year's Day to go to Super Bowl twelve, And it was a call that lived up to the magic of the moment. Oh, I love that. I, I don't have anything like that off the top of my head. It just, it has to be something from, from the Tebow era. I mean, that those were just incredible and had some great calls that go with them. Great question, Count. Next one coming in from LA Bronco 30. Hey guys, can't wait for the draft. Two questions. I'm rewatching the Manning years. In a 2012 game, I heard the commenter say that Champ Bailey mentioned he hadn't had the same off defensive coordinator from one season to the next for the last 10 seasons. Is this true? How did that happen? If so, that seems like a bigger issue to me than us having different offensive coordinators every year since John Fox. Second, in the first three rounds of this year's draft, who would be the picks that you would just absolutely shake your head at? Keep up the great work, fellas. All right, Mace, was that true about Champ Bailey? Okay, not quite, but close to it. At that point in 2012, the Broncos' defensive coordinator was Jack Del Rio with Dennis Allen having moved on to the Raiders. He was the coordinator in 2011. So Del Rio was his seventh defensive coordinator in seven seasons. The, it started with Larry Coyer, who was the defensive coordinator for Champ Bailey's first three seasons in Denver, 04 to 06. He was also the coordinator in 03 the year before Champ Bailey got there. So, not quite accurate, but very close. Larry Coyer, I believe, is the only defensive coordinator that Champ Bailey had for more than one season in succession. <laughs> Holy and he had cow. it for three. So that would have meant for Champ Bailey that he had um, new, he had seven defensive coordinators with the Broncos. And then in Washington, he had five. So he had 12 in 14 years to that point. Holy cow, that yeah. is wild. That is, that is absolutely crazy. So I agree with the LA Bronco that that's crazy. But I disagree that having changing defensive coordinators so often is worse than changing offensive coordinators so often because I think installing a new offense is more difficult on players than a new defense. Yeah, and the other thing is that – John, don't forget, John Fox was also 
you know, of defense had defensive background. There were certain things that stayed the same when they went from Dennis Allen to Jack Del Rio. And, and there were things that stayed the same when they went from Mike Nolan to Wink Martindale in 09 to 2010. Of course, Wink had worked under Mike Nolan in 09. Uh, the bigger changes were when they like going from 08 to 09. And then you, you go from, you go from Bob Slowick to Mike Nolan. You go from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That was the year of some profound change. And then there were some profound changes in 2011. But if you're promoting from within, or in the case of Jack Del Rio, you brought in somebody that John Fox had worked with in Carolina and kind of knew what John Fox wanted to do, it wasn't so bad. Right. And also, the, the second question, first three rounds of this year's draft, picks that you would shake your heads at. Well, <laughs> I, I'll give you a pick that would make me shake my head for the Broncos at 15 and actually one of two guys. With the 15th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Broncos select cornerback from LSU, uh, Christian Fulton, or yeah. safety from LSU, Grant Delpit. I would actually be flabbergasted if the Broncos took a safety before their second, third round pick. I agree. There are other positions that just have to be the priorities right now where there is talent. Safety in the first round would not make any sense to me at all. Any sense. Uh, but good question there. Jay Raider 14 says, Mace, for the hypothetical first, second team, all decade cornerback ranks, you were adamant that PP would be a first teamer, Patrick Peterson. However, you did not mention Revis for the discussion, who I believe was the top cornerback in the 2010s. He covered the best wide receiver every week and was a true shutdown corner. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Peterson and think he's a stud, but there's only one Revis Island. What did Revis do in the back half of the decade? Yeah, it's, it's fair. It's an I mean, all-decade team. and The reason why I put Patrick Peterson above Revis, Patrick Peterson has been a a pro bowler from he was pro bowler from 2011 to 2018 and he has just as many first team all pros as Darrell Revis does in this decade Revis was first team all pro in 2010 2011 and 2014 but then Revis my goodness when he fell off the island he fell hard <laughs> yes he drowned yeah and that's why I put Peterson ahead of Revis is because he had more sustained success over a broad, a broader range of years in the decade than Darrell Revis did. That's a good question though. It is. It is Uh next one from Alaska Preston. Hey fellow, it's been quite a while. Had a lot of change going on in my life. Actually just moved here to Denver. So I can't wait to come by the bar when everything gets back to normal. Maybe I should change my name to Denver Preston. I think that may be a good choice. Uh, a while back, I saw some quote local bloggers. Actually, they were writers from Mile High Report talking about how toxic the fan base was in regards to how they were, how they were toward Callahan and James. I'm guess I I guess they didn't like all the who's that and that's not a real player comments on Broncos posts about them. I thought this was a weak take, but what do you guys think? Do jokes like that affect the players at all? It depends if they pay any attention to social media. I yeah. I think some guys it'll have an impact. Like C.J. Anderson, for example, was a player yeah. who did pay attention to his mentions, and yes, when he did. There were frustrated fantasy players. He wasn't shy about being expressing his frustration with 
those fans in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. Those fans, those fantasy players. So it depends on the guy. Some guys, if they're just plowing forward, they're not really social media people. I, I don't think it makes a difference. I would actually say with Callahan and James, these are guys that kind of operate with blinders on a little bit, and I don't think it really affects them. I agree. And boy, if I was a professional athlete, I would not have anything to do with social media or at least looking up my name. That's for sure. I wouldn't either. I mean, I really feel, I feel, I feel bad for these guys. Like when a miscue happens at the end and I just think to myself, please don't go on Twitter. Don't look up. (laughs) No, don't. He also says, can I send out a DNVR check in for a fellow member? If so, I was hoping to check in on not Philip Lindsay. Last time he commented, it sounded like he was going through a tough time. Just want to make sure he's okay. As someone who's been through some tough mental times, I hope he knows he's not alone. Thanks for all the, thanks for all you do to provide so much normalcy in these crazy times. Much love and God bless. Well, Alaska Preston, welcome to Denver. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome you moved here. We can't wait to see you at the bar. Uh, and absolutely, yeah, not Philip Lindsay. We would we would certainly love to hear from you. And Alaska Preston, thanks for checking in because that that that's what this community is all about. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, like I said, welcome to Denver and uh, look forward to seeing you out there at the the bar once everything settles. And I'm not going to say get gets back to normal, it, but gets into a new normal. I right. think that's what we need to be thinking about here. Love thunder down under, mountains over beach. <laughs> I've been blessed to live within 30 minutes of some of the world's great beaches in Queensland, Australia. For the three years I spent living in Cherry Creek from 1990 to 93, I was nine months old on arrival, put the mountains in my blood. The first time I went back to Denver in January 2018 after not being there since 1996 was surreal. Like coming home to a place I'd never been before. <laughs> yes, I am the character from Rocky Mountain High. And yes, I listen to it on repeat when I get homesick. There's absolutely nothing like the grandeur of the mountains. In a pre-trying time for all, it's important to share thanks and appreciation for all that matters. You three are my connection to the mountains every day. Even the ads give me a sense of connectivity. Who would have thought the Denver Rubber Company would strike such a chord? Pretty intense realization, to be honest, but can't thank you all enough. Can't wait for the lounge. Let's see how long the count can hold a conversation in character. By the way, I love that you mentioned Rocky Mountain High because I do love that song as well because the line about born in the summer of his 27th year, that's when I I moved to Colorado in the summer of my 27th (laughs) I had just turned 26, so it was my 27th year. (laughs) That is is too cool, man. Anything, John Denver, I am all – about and man i love the mountains and i'm so it here's where i fall on the mountains and beach i don't think i'll ever be able to answer that because the mountains are my backyard but i'm so happy to have the mountains in my backyard because i go up there you know multiple times a month if if uh conditions allow but then it allows me to take my vacations to the beach so it's perfect it's perfect so i never have to choose yeah if you're going for a warm beach and and i do love a warm beach but I'll say this. It's one reason why I love the Pacific Northwest is that it's mountains and water. Mm, yeah. Like in, in Seattle, like you could, you can uh, walk to the edge of the water on Elliott Bay, Puget Sound in Seattle, and you can see the Olympic mountains off in the distance and pretty much anywhere you go. I mean, even if you're out in the middle of the water, you're in the water, but you can see the mountains and it's just, that was perfect for me. 
Yeah, so. I mean, Mace, you've got a smile on your face. I've got a smile just thinking about it. I, yeah. I, I, I love them both. Next one. And from- it makes me sad. One of the things that makes me sad about how this year's gone so much, obviously, has changed. And this is just a relatively minor thing. But uh, uh, my family and I, were gonna, we were going to go to Seattle uh, for a long weekend at mm. the end of May, early June, to go watch the uh, the Braves play the Mariners, but also go whale watching for a day, do some yeah. exploring, little hiking. Man, and that's gonna have to wait. But that's Man. such a, such is life. It's a it, we all have to make sacrifices right now, and it's all about making sure that uh, we can uh, halt the spread of this and uh, begin getting our culture back to some sense of uh, new normalcy. Yep, you're you're a hundred percent right. Very well put, Mace. Manning's forehead checking in says, "Mace, congrats on the Bucks no longer having the worst uniforms in the league." Yay! <laughs> have you all seen the leaks for the Falcons' new ones? The leak is on. Well, it doesn't matter where the leak the the leak is. And says, "Can't wait for Denver to switch back to the old D powder blue over royal blue any day." And why I say that it doesn't matter where the leak is is because mm-hmm. of the leak. The Falcons released their new uniforms today. So, Mace, being the uniform expert of this two-man pod today, what do you think of your division rival Falcons uniforms? Okay, well, they they increased the size of the logo on the helmet a little bit. Doesn't bother me. Uh, the Bucks abandoned the chrome face mask. I think they just shipped them up to Atlanta because now Atlanta's <laughs> wearing them. The overall uniform, first of all, they kept the – kind of throwback uniform that they have because they have a they have a throwback uniform that goes back to their their 1960s look but the helmet is black instead of red because of the one helmet shell rule it's a solid look now there was a falcons executive who was commenting this morning that when the if and when the one helmet shell rule goes by the wayside basically expect the red helmets to come back on a throwback basis. And so that it'd be really exciting to see the red helmets back on the throwback. So Atlanta's got a good throwback. The what there are some okay combos in the Falcons uniform. I don't like the side stripe on the jersey. As you know, I just don't like side stripes on jerseys, period. <laughs> don't like it here either. Um, but in general, the font doesn't bother me. People are up in arms over ATL on the jersey. It doesn't that doesn't irk me at all. I mean, I love that. college football. I mean, Texas is on the front of their jersey. Oklahoma, Colorado's had it. You know, let's. It's, yeah. I'm okay with the city name or something simple like ATL on there. The thing that bothers me, though, they have an alternate red jersey with a gradient effect to become black at the bottom. Yeah, that is going to look awful on large linemen in particular (laughs) because that gradient effect is going to be kicking in right around the belly (laughs) and also we've seen the gradient didn't work on the jaguars helmet it didn't work on the diamondbacks uniforms right they blessedly changed back from that this year there's a lot going on in a sports uniform and gradient doesn't really flow well with it. The, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays used to have the gradient uh, word mark when they yep. started. It doesn't fly. So if I could tell the Falcons to make a change, get rid of the side stripes on the jerseys, and just have a red alternate, not the red to black gradient, you do that, and your uniform is perfectly fine. 
Yeah, I actually like the uniforms. I, I was uh, surprised after not being the biggest fan of the Bucks ones. I, I was okay with it with those. Changes. I'll say this. It's an upgrade over what they had. It's because the look overall is a bit sleeker. Uh, there's less it's it, there's less going on than there was with the stripes on the I hated the stripes on the sleeves for the Falcons. I didn't wasn't really a fan of the font. I thought an awful lot going on on this uniform. This one, it's a bit sleeker, streamlined. So it is an improvement. It's just not as much of an improvement as I hoped it could be. That's fair. That's fair. Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, friends, good virtual draft pot. Nothing Broncos. Happy National Breckenridge Brewery Day here in Colorado. I'm going to grab a strawberry sky from the fridge to toast everyone in the family. Y'all grab a beer and enjoy your evening. Go Breck Brews. Well, thanks for the reminder, Iceman. You're absolutely right. Sounds like a good night for a strawberry sky. Oh, I'd say definitely I agree does. with you there. Mile High Mike. Hey, guys, just played Henry in the Madden League last night and lost again, leaving me at 0-8 with RK. So you should know, due to tie-breaking procedures, I'm actually set to have the first overall pick. Still deciding <laughs> on if I want Burrow or if, I, or if I should get Chase Young and then get Jordan Love or Justin Herbert later with the first I got from Spano for Tyree Kill. But it was great fun and Henry's great company. If you bump in, into him today, tell him Mile High Mike said hi. Regarding the Bucks' new uniforms, I like them a lot. They're clean, and I think Zach was disagreeing just for the sake of good content. You guys usually agree a lot, and I bet he just wanted to get some debate going. Zach, <laughs> thoughts? I don't, I don't know. Nothing. Uh, you know, the the one part of the 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 uniform that I liked was was the big logo on the helmet. I like that, uh, and I think that was one of the points that either you or Ryan didn't like. And it's what they kept. Yep, exactly. Basically, they kept the big logo. They, they went from chrome face mask to black. They kept the updated pirate ship logo they've had the last few years, but now it's on both sleeves. Used The last few years, they had the pirate ship on one sleeve and bucks written on the other. Now they've gone to just pirate ship, the two pirate ships, and I'm fine with that. They updated the, the flag logo. They updated the pirate ship logo in 2014, and those updates were fine. Yep. They just messed up the overall uniform. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm really happy with this. I I'm they're gonna they're gonna look good and hopefully they'll play well too. <laughs> they will. Don't worry. So Mace. anyway, the only thing that bothers me though is on the red and white jerseys, the numbers are outlined with two colors, while the pewter jersey numbers are only outlined in one. If you don't know what this what I mean by this, I'll elaborate on tomorrow's pot. Actually, I can just I'll describe it for you because they're there was a buzz that they weren't going to have the orange in the trim around the numbers on the red and white jerseys, but it, in the end they did. So the numbers are pretty much exactly as they were from 1997 to 2013 on the white jersey. They're white, or on the white jersey, they're red numbers outlined in orange and black. On the red jersey, they're white numbers outlined in orange and black. I think. They got uh, there was reaction to the Uniwatch leak a few weeks ago that people missed the orange and felt and and Bucks fans thought okay you got to have some orange on there now there's no orange on the pewter uniform at all the only orange is actually on the on the logo on the helmet and uh, I think maybe a little bit on the uh, the pirate the pirate ship logo that's it the pewter uniforms are straight up red and pewter and white. And even though it's a different template, I actually liked it that way. I thought I looked at that pewter 
alternate. And I thought, that is a clean look. I, I, I still don't like monochromatic uniforms, but that is a clean, consistent look. Every, every, it just, it pops. Yep. So I was okay not having the orange on the pewter uniform. Okay. Yeah, I hope they bring back the orange at some point. That's for sure. Well, this is where the one helmet shell rule comes into play. Basically, from what I've gathered in Tampa, stay tuned. Because mm. if they get rid of the one helmet shell rule, I think you're going to see a full-on throwback, which is probably going to have implications for the Broncos as well. Mm, love it. Love that little tease. Would love to see the full-on throwback for the Broncos. And believe me, every in that building, they know that fans want to see it too. Oh, yeah. Next one coming in from Wait, Keith. wait. There's, oh. one, there's one more. Also, in honor of the new uniforms, Fox Sports posted some Mike Allstott highlights from back in the day. And wow, what a monster. Mace, what was your favorite All-Stop play? Much love from Vegas. I have spoken. Mile high, Mike. In terms of the emotional reaction, it's his touchdown in the playoff win over Detroit, knowing at that moment the Bucks were going to win that day. That's the first moment where I really believed that they were going to get the dub. <laughs> but, man, there are so many plays at, at the goal line where he bounces off one, two, three defenders and in, just never gave up. You know – Somewhere in a box, I actually have my Mike Allstott train whistle. <laughs> he trained. And he'd, he'd make a play, and I'd either be at the game or I'd uh, be at home, and I would sit there and go, whoo, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And yeah, I had an Allstott jersey back in the day. Of course. That was a classic. That was a classic. Oh, I, I love I, it. I wore, I wore that thing out in college. Uh, I went from the Eric Rett orange jersey to the uh, Mike Allstott red jersey in my college years. Well, to make me smile, just bring up Mike Allstott. Allstott. <laughs> what was it? Like Chris Bermudo. <laughs> Man, he, uh, he's one of my favorite players of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next one from TK Freeze. What's up, guys? All right. I got a long one for you today, and I'm very sorry, but I think it's worth your time. I've come around to the belief that all, all of the three wide receivers and offensive tackles may be gone by 15, so I've decided on a trade-down scenario. I know, Ryan, just hear me up. The Baltimore Ravens are a Super Bowl contender with very few holes on their roster, so extra picks is really something they don't need. Edge is one of those few holes at 15. The second-best edge rusher is sitting right there for their taking. Uh, 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 the Ravens are calling. We agree to a trade pick number 15 in exchange for picks 28, 55 and 60. So here's how it works out. The Broncos in round one, pick 28, pick Brandon Ayuk in the second round, Ezra Cleveland in the second round uh, with the other pick, Jeremy Chin in the third round, LaVisca Chenault or in the, that's also in the second round in the third round, Bryce Hall and Tyler Biotish. And then another third round pick, Troy die. I know. I know. That's a lot of players to take in one draft, but maybe take the rest of the picks from four to seven and trade them for, I don't know, future assets or whatever. I feel this draft would be perfect in almost every way. I think the trade, the draft trade comparison compensation was fair and made some sense for all parties. What do you guys think? Sorry about the long one. PS. I have a feeling Chenault is going to be, is going to fall a lot with the injuries and that's criminal dude deserves to go in the first round, but I think it's only fitting Denver ends the fall. Holy cow, you got a huge load for that. <coughs> oh, sorry, Mason wasn't able to hit the mute button quick enough. You're muted. Wait, Mace, you're muted. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry. Mace, Mace sorry it, it's, it seemed like you had something good to say, though. Yeah, yeah, well, I know we talked earlier about not wanting to go safety too early, but the fact that you picked up these additional picks means you're able to take care of everything and still and get the safety in there. I am not like Ryan Konigsberg. I am not opposed to a third-round corner just because you failed there. And I love Bryce Hall on day two. That's a, that's a good pick. Uh, Biotis at 83, you won't get an argument from me on that one. LaVisca, look, I said earlier in this pod, if he didn't have the injury concerns, I'd be t- fine taking him at 15. 60, with what else you've done, the fact that he's a second receiver here, I'm okay with that. I guess um, Brandon Ayuk, man. I got to get past something on Ayuk because he's a, he's a, he's a very good prospect and I like him. I'm just, and I may end, I'm like I said, I'll probably end up writing a story on this. I just don't know if I want to see the Broncos open with a PAC 12 guy. <laughs> That's interesting. That is very yeah. interesting. So next one coming in from BSN balls out. Wow. Fellas, my handle caused some confusion last time. I'm a basketball player from North Carolina. No Tar Heel here. Go Wolfpack. When you play well in basketball, it is said that you ball out. The moral is that my handle, although outdated, means that you guys are ballers. I'm excited. It's not outdated. That's great. <laughs> it is great. I'm excited to change it with the DNVR rebrand. Mace, I agree. North Carolina barbecue is the best. East Carolina mm. sauce, please. The slow-mo mention makes my world seem small. Uh, my, the wife and I moved to San Diego four years ago. Slow mo is inspirational to us all. Congrats wow, that's that's going back if uh, more than a few podcasts that I mentioned. Uh, slow mo, aka John Kitchen, a product of Wake Forest High School. Wow, yeah, that certainly is. He says, "Congrats on the bar, boys! Truly innovative. I can't wait to visit." Football question: It seems to me the Von Miller's best asset is his ability to time the snap count. Many times he seems to cross the line of scrimmage in unison with the ball. However, it seems more so the past couple of years he has called off sides for it. Am I the minority thinking most of the calls are bogus? Also, do you think him trying to avoid offsides penalties helped, held him back last year? You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Might be in the minority among Bronco fans. Um, I think most of the calls were legit. And I that said, I also do think trying to avoid offsides penalties, I think maybe that was a factor for him last year because Vic Fangio made it clear. He didn't want to see that. Yeah. And, and that's something that he's going to have to live with because it's, it's not okay to have, you know, one offsides penalty a game. It, right. It's not in my mind. Yep. Denveria. Hey guys, just wanted to thank Mace for the link. You're welcome. End of the community. Get the book. I only finished about the first 50 pages, but I can already tell that Mace's style of writing is as awesome as his podcast contributions. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And good news. The Kindle version also includes 2015, as is the 2017 version. Thanks, love, Triple D. Oh, man, I'm so thankful that the Kindle version is the current one. Um, I think part of the reason why I wasn't sure was that when you go to the Kindle version, it goes to the old cover. When you look at it on Amazon, but the Kindle version being the new version, awesome. Love it. I love to hear that. And guys, buy Mace's book. Love Thunder Down Under. Just watch the mock draft. First of all, God help us. That was terrible. And I hope it was scripted. <laughs> Create a feeling urgency for all of us because if that's how it falls on draft day, I'll be full-blown breakdown mode. Second, you trade down if that happens. You head way down to the bottom of the first or top of the second. 
Then you take every pick from rounds four to seven and them into whatever you can into rounds two to three. So question then, you've got to trade back from 15. How many top 100 picks can you get if you take all current picks outside the top 100 and trade them to take positions in the top 100? Think of it as you must trade any selection, not 16 to 100, to get picks within that range at, at fair value. And you can also trade picks within the top 100 to move up in that range. Clear as okay. mud, right? Yeah. Well, let's just add up the, the draft value point chart for the Broncos' day three picks right now. Okay? Okay. What do we have? 58 points, 19 points. That's uh, 77 17.8 points, so that's 94.8. And then those seventh rounders are one point and one point. So basically, <laughs> those day three pick, day day three picks, if you trade them all, they would net you one of those comp picks at the end of round three. Okay. So there you go. That's how valuable they are. Uh-huh. Or how unvaluable they are. They would add up to between the 101st and 102nd pick. So you're barely getting in the top 100. Right. <laughs> so I think let's just take a step back at saying, oh, we can get a lot from the Tate three picks if we move up. No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, we can't. But I like your idea. You can get one end of day three pick. And so if there's a guy you have to get then, that's great. And then – and then you just tell the media, hey, we're done. <laughs> Boy, I would certainly love that from a media perspective and a, a Broncos perspective. But that's why the Broncos likely won't be doing that. They'll be yep. keeping those day three picks. And guys, Dan, hashtag trade up for, for Ruggs Burke. Hey, guys, are there any deep sleepers on the current roster you think will have a bigger role in the team than we're all projecting? Patrick Morris is the most po probably the most popular answer, but I'm convinced that Shaquille Taylor is a bigger factor than some think. Good size, ran a 4-3-9 in his pro day, and pretty good ball skills, three interceptions, including a pick six in his final season at KU. I remember watching that Colts-Chiefs game last year, and the Colts had him occasionally lined up on Kelsey in the slot, and he managed to break up a pass intended for him. In recent years, a lot of players that have gotten an ex exclusive rights tender have gone on to be significant contributors to the team. Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, Matt Paradis, Shaq Barrett, Shelby Harris, Tim Patrick, Elijah Wilkinson, etc. Am I reaching? Are we sleeping on Shaq Taylor? Got to say, it'd be some nice poetic justice if Chris Harris gets replaced by another UDFA corner from KU. No, I, I, I lump him there with Isaac Yadam and Devontae Harris. I think one of those guys emerges as at least part of the depth yeah. at cornerback, but I don't think all, I think it's one. And I think it's actually pretty wide open. Another guy I keep my eye on also in the secondary is Trey Marshall at safety. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, that is quite the sleeper, Dan Burke. I, I am impressed that you came up with someone like that. Uh, yeah. Patrick Morris is probably the biggest one. Uh, Austin Schlopman could have, could give him a run for his money as well if they don't get a center in the draft hard rocker hey guys this is probably a mace question is there a stat for football similar to war wins above replacement in baseball hmm. you've got now with teams sometimes you, you talk about plays and saying like kind of win probability added per play but as far as the individual players not one that translates apples to apples uh, to wins above replacement. Because I think part of it is that at each position, you'd have to define what replacement level is. 
right? But there are some other factors involved. Like, uh, here's an example. How do you define replacement level at a position where there isn't a great deal of statistical measurement like tackle? Right. So, so there isn't a, a war right. number. Now, we might be able to say there's a – we could come up with a, a war figure for quarterback. Right. Or receiver or running back. The other thing with baseball is that it is the most individual of our team sports. Right. So it, it lends itself better to wins above replacement than football would. It, it's, it's one of my favorite stats, to be honest with you, even though you have to incorporate a lot to get there. It's something that uh, in my own baseball analysis, I do rely on pretty heavily. Guys, we had an awesome time. Speaking of other sports, we had an awesome time watching the Colorado Raptors with you guys this past weekend on DNVR Watches. It was so much fun interacting with you guys, and we're all learning the sport together. As you can tell, we're throwing out silly questions. Colton uh, and the guys over there at DNVR Raptors are helping answer those questions, and Colton is doing a fantastic job on that beat. We want you guys to be part of this as well as we all learn the game as well. So check out DNVR Raptors on the DNVR.com. Make sure to go to their Twitter page, DNVR underscore Raptors. Check them out. Check out our, our reporter, Colton Strickler. There, He's doing an awesome job there. And it's been so much fun for this whole community to learn the game of rugby together. And not only just during these DNVR watches, but Colton's doing awesome, basic one-on-one pods to break down everything for you. He's talking to star players on the, on the Raptors. So make sure that you check out all of the coverage that we got going on with the Colorado Raptors. All right, Mace, we got 10 questions in about 10 minutes, little speed round of questions. It should be fun. Sir James Radio says, I want to leave a profound comment today, but then I found but then I saw the Falcons uniform and now I'm sick. Also, the week starts on Wednesday because I have Tuesday, Monday and Tuesdays off. And despite what my parents told me, to the contrary, the world revolves around me. Keep up the great work, you three. I appreciate <laughs> it. There like, too. like I said, it's all relative. It's right. all arbitrary, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can make the weekend whenever you want it to. Mile high Mike. Hey guys, another double comment because I just watched the Periscope mock draft and I was curious. You guys already ranked the top three receivers, Judy Ruggs, Lamb third. But say Elway wheels and deals and gets up to the top ten, all three are there. Who does Elway pick? What do you guys think? I have spoken mile high Mike. I like Judy the best. I think John Elway picks Ruggs. Oh, and the argument against either of those two would be they both played at the University of Alabama, and he hasn't drafted a single player from the best school in the past decade so maybe CD Lamb and someday. Uh, oh, this would be a glorious way for it to end. I hope it's one of the Alabama guys. Um, I would say Rugs because he's seen Tyreko. Okay. Next one Great. coming in from Greatest Show on Dirt. With the draft going digital or virtual, is this an opportunity for the team itself to provide some behind the scenes or all access stuff that fans could watch on Zoom, Periscope, etc.? Obviously, the security of their information is crucial. But it seems like an interesting opportunity with them controlling the content rather than ESPN, NFL Network, etc. Do you see anything along those lines happening? I figure they'll probably do what they have done, which is they'll have the the phone calls that uh, John Elway or Vic Fangio has uh, with the player, and uh, they'll they'll show some uh, backstage stuff. Maybe not to the extent of like what the Colts are doing uh, with the series that they've got right now, but uh, they'll show some stuff. But they've been showing some stuff for a while. 
Right, exactly. I think you're 100% right on that, Mace. Remember, they don't want, because of social distancing, big film crews in every single person's house. Exactly. McCaffrey and Attic, just wanted to chime in on the great buy or wait PS4 debate of 2020. Feel free to just read the bullet points or even skip over this comment. I'll just read the uh, bullet points. He suggests the PS4 because of affordability, because newer used, the PS4 and bundles are really cheap, they're backwards compatible, and that with updates and bundles, if we learn anything from the PS3, PS4, the first iteration is usually buggy. It's worth waiting a few months for system software upgrade updates. Also, limited edition bundles of the console's slim version have historically been a better buy. There you go. So McCaffrey and Attic says get the PS4. There we go. The expert coming in. Next one coming in from Onion. Booty. Bronco. This is Onion reporting for Booty. <laughs> I have this creepy crawly fear that in the first round, the Broncos will draft a player outside of a dire need. What players other than those at receiver and offensive tackle positions could we, after a deep think and fitful sleep, come to terms with as a sneaky good addition? For example, Fangio likes to move his safeties around and Kareem Jackson is no spring chicken. Does that mean we could go versatile safety in round one? Is there a corner that might tickle John's fancy in an effort to recreate no fly zone as secondary? What about D line? Assuming Kinlaw is off the board. Mace, dare I ask, if there's a bionic leg to draft in the first round, or, heaven help me, a wily backup quarterback, onion, booty, jokes. Anyway, back to biz. Can you tell me I'm trying to get ahead of the heartbreak? Let the premature retrospective justification party begin. Tenderly, onion, booty. Booty. <laughs> well, yeah, he does like to move, Fangio does like to move his safeties around, um, that said, I mean, you've got just some really pressing issues that need to be taken care of early. Um, again, like wide receiver. Um, that's why I think you have to wait on safety. I agree. And I, I think the value is better. I mean, Jeremy Chin and Kyle Duggar are the guys at safety that intrigue me the most. And they're day two guys. Mace, let's say that um... – Jeremy Chin, have you watched any of his film? Uh, only a little bit. When he gets rolling, he's like a guided missile out there. Yeah, he, re he really is. He's pretty powerful. Um, Mace, let's say Makai Becton's off the board and everyone else is off the board too, and somehow Derek Brown falls. Will that be? Taking Derek Brown. Yep. Pretty easy, right? Unless he's fallen because of something that will hurt his career. I mean, if he's fallen because there's a – turns out he's got an arthritic knee condition or something like that, then I'm not right. picking him. Right. I, but if I he's agree. falling just because he's falling, you know, sometimes he just doesn't get that things don't get valued or we get too far from the season and we rely less on the film more on other stuff Then I'm going ahead and picking him. So pastor red bloof <laughs> <laughs> blue line up front. Last day is Saturday. First day is Monday. Sunday is its own deal. He says probably skip it, but gets into how the Jewish calendar has Sunday on day one, ending in Sabbath on the Saturday. God rests on the seventh day, which is why our Jewish friends Sabbath on Saturday. And then uh, gets into more religious stuff. Says, and basically says, last day of the week is Saturday. The first is Monday, and Sunday is like a holiday. <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting, interesting way of putting it. I like that, Pastor Red. Thank you for the uh, thank you for that. Minnesota Paul says, "Hey boys, <coughs> sorry, we're in a rush to get to. We have to get this done quickly. That's why we're going rapid fire." 
Minnesota Paul, hey boys, I was listening to this episode of the pod through my computer speakers, which is not my usual method. While Zach was talking about Googling, determining if Peyton Manning is better known as a Colt or a Bronco, my phone picked up on his voice and Googled Peyton Manning. The quick results showed Peyton in a Colts jersey. Regardless, I had to laugh at my phone picking up Zach's voice. We must have similar voices. I got to hear it, Minnesota Paul. Maybe we should ask Alexa. Alexa! What team is Peyton Manning known for playing? <laughs> but watch out, Mace. Even through my headphones, my uh, my Alexa may pick up on that. <laughs> oh, Bronco Gator. Hello, guys. Been a while since I last commented, but I have a couple of nagging questions I want to get your thoughts about. It is regarding ranking the top five quarterbacks and receivers in this upcoming draft. For the quarterbacks, specifically Herbert, Love, and Tua, I listened to someone who was a former NFL quarterback who has them ranked two, three, and four, respectively. I only ask because I really don't want the Chargers or Raiders are so inclined to draft anyone elite, so they have two of four. Mm, interesting. And Love, three. Mm, I think that's a little high for Love. That's just me. For the wide receiver, especially Jerry Judy, the same former NFL QB says that Judy is outside his top five, number six to be exact. I found this shocking since so many people have Judy as number one, but I see his reasoning. He says Judy doesn't possess any elite physical traits. He doesn't have elite speed, not the strongest, an okay vertical, et cetera. What do you guys think? Until next time, Bronco Gator. The thing with Jerry Judy, um, maybe he's not elite in any of those, but he's pretty good in everything. It's one of those – you talk about the, the aggregate, for example. It, in the aggregate, he's got all the skills you need. Right. There's, yep. not, there's not a – I look at Jerry Judy, I don't see a hole in his game. No, and and, and that's his... and that's why I put him above some of these other guys who their their attributes are a little bit more all over the place. Jerry Judy's just kind of up here in general, not high, but solid in every, but solid to above average in everything. Right, and his ceiling is very high in all of those as well. And Run... he's probably the most ready to contribute right away. Yes, without a doubt. Run, Phil, run. Hey guys, I'll make it short and sweet and to the point today. How can we get in the draft by trading 15 overall and one of our top, or how high can we get in the draft by trading 15 and one of our third round picks? Would that get us high enough to take one of the top three wide receivers? I do not see any of them falling to us at 15. That's all for today. Stay safe 15 days until the draft. Realistically, if you go by a draft value, you trade your first third round pick 77 and then your 15th overall pick that would take you to just a little bit higher than the value of the New York Jets 11th overall pick. At that point, you just hope that the guy answering the phone is Joe Douglas, the GM, not Adam Gase. The <laughs> yeah, so you probably have to go even higher than that, and you got to use more capital then. Mm-hmm. Sir James Radio, fast food dollar menus would be like – would like to have something to say about $1 bills being not worth anything. Also certain clubs, also certain clubs, but I feel less is better said about that. After all, this is a family pod. (laughs) LDJ Jr. Says a realistic idea of where some of these players uh, get drafted. So I'm just going to roll through them. Number one, LaVisca Chanel late, late round two to round three. Yeah. I'd say Uh, Jeff Gladney. I'd say uh, round two, Tyler Biotish. I'd take him as high as round two. I think he ends up in round three. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, Trey Adams, round two, round three. Matt Hennessy, round three. Akeem Davis, Dake Gaither. Ooh, boy, if I've crossed off the other needs on my list, I'd love him in round three. Yep. Back end of round three. Devin Duvernay, I think he goes before the 80th pick. Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, round four. Davian Taylor, 
CU round four. Malcolm Perry, the do-everything quarterback trying to convert to receiver. Uh, Navy, I'd say round six. Yep, I Mace, I completely agree with all of you. So I didn't even stop you. And last one coming in from DC Hawk Guy. I got Mace's book about two weeks ago, and it's really weirding me out after I hear Mace in my head while I'm reading it. Oh I'm, no, I'd rather <laughs> you hear like a great voice like John Facenda <laughs> or um, uh, Liev uh, Schreiber, who does the uh, the voiceovers for like Hard for Hard Knocks another HBO sports mm. documentaries. Love you to hear someone like that, but thank Macy, you anyway. I appreciate you buying the book. Macy is hearing a great voice. He's hearing your voice. Ah, he I says, I'm, that. I'm not normally a reader, but it's a perfect book to pick up and read when you have a few minutes because it's kind of set up like a bunch of short stories. Great. Yes. Great. He says, That's how it was because the tales from the Broncos sideline, the way it was designed is as a bunch of little vignettes. Mm, and I, and I, I love that. Mm -hmm. He says, your draft last night made me pretty nervous that we aren't going to get one of the top three receivers or a top two tackle. Werbs or Thomas are the only two that I'd be happy with at 15. If this happens, I hope we trade down. Anything other than those five at that spot seems like a reach to me, assuming that Young, Simmons, and Okuda are off the table, of course. Yeah, and the, the thing is, the way those first four picks went, which of course was Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and then Isaiah Simmons, that seems like the smart way to go about it for all those teams. I guess uh, Dave Gettleman could blow it up, but I have to think Dave Gettleman will look at Isaiah Simmons and say, this guy's transformative for my defense. I would think so too. Pick him at four. Yeah. yeah. And what's transformative to all of you guys is Denver Rubber Company because they can transform rubber into absolutely anything you could possibly need from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses, and of course – anything snowplows they are your one-stop shop for anything snowplows so make sure to check them out online at drcfirst.com dnvr or at 1-800-259-0010 make sure to check them out tell them that dnvr sent you when you do they can do it all from small custom orders to large bulk orders make sure you check out denver rubber company for any of your snowplow needs in in any custom uh rubber projects that you need that's 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com slash dnvr all right that'll do it for today's pod thank you guys for rolling with us we are going to have so much fun in these next 15 days leading up to the draft i enjoyed it as always mace and for andrew mason i'm zach stevens have a terrific wednesday everyone we'll talk to you tomorrow